This episode is brought to you by Planet Broadcasting's 2018 partnership with Care Australia and Everyday Hero, supporting women and girls living in extreme poverty around the world. To donate to our campaign, visit planetbroadcasting.com or click on the link in the show notes below. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And just as we were about to start, you looked anything but relaxed. <laughs> you were, Your face contorted into this way just as you were about to do the intro that looked like you'd suddenly just had a stroke. <laughs> and it wasn't the Skype freezing. It was actually just the movement that you made your face do. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I have just... This is day three in the UK. I flew in... Uh, uh, on Wednesday night and this is the first day I have not been riddled with jet lag I just it's getting worse the more I travel the older I get the worse my jet lag is getting I used to be able to sleep on a plane now that's just not an option so the flight from LA to London is a bit weird you leave in the afternoon and then you arrive sort of first thing in the morning so you basically lose a night's sleep and you have to go through a whole day without sleeping and so I didn't sleep on the plane didn't sleep for that whole day then went to bed about midnight that night, slept for about two hours, woke up at 4 a.m. and then did another entire day. So up until last night, about midnight again, I hadn't really slept for, for two hours. And it's amazing how your cognitive function falls apart when you haven't slept. It's the cheapest but most dangerous high available. I remember, uh, I've probably talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, Amy and I were going to the to England um, uh, for a holiday, going to the UK. And uh, we got in in the morning as well and you had to stay awake all day. And as we're catching the train into the city, um, I discovered in her camera bag half a smoked joint. Have I, no. have I mentioned this before on the no. podcast? Okay, so we'd been at uh, Byron Bay at Splendour in the Grass a few months beforehand and we'd gone down to the beach after Splendour in the Grass and like, um, you know, may or may not have smoked a joint on the beach allegedly someone else who may or may not have been me in fact all of this is allegedly in fact why am i even like saying something so incriminating right at the start of the podcast i think normally we actually bury this stuff inside our nonsense talk about superheroes and nobody could be bothered like listening through all that nonsense to get to the incriminating stuff but i've let off with it well here we go so someone who may or may not have been us a friend of mine told me this story charlie um, so we'd be, so my friend had been at uh, Splendor in the Grass in Byron Bay, and then my friend had gone down to the beach with my friend's friend, and they had smoked half a joint on the beach, and they'd put the other half of the joint back in the camera bag for you know perhaps the next day or whatever, and then they'd forgotten 
uh, about um, the fact that that half-smoked joint was in the camera bag because it turns out the marijuana, uh, while being very good for your hip pain, is terrible for your short-term memory. So your friend happens to have the hip pain as well. That's a, What a coincidence. I guess you would have met at some kind of like osteoarthritis support group. <laughs> That's how we became friends. <laughs> <laughs> we met we met at a support group that it's called a support group because we all literally need support uh to sit down in the chairs to get up out of the chairs uh everyone always gets a standing ovation after their speech yeah. week <laughs> one I, was a disaster because the group was just all beanbags and they had to throw get that out when no one's getting out of those yeah it was completely planned by someone who didn't have osteoarthritis everybody gets up um it's called oaaa it's for people who are alcoholics but also have osteoarthritis <laughs> And so <laughs> OAAA is the meetings and you get up there and do your speech. And at the end, it feels like you've done really well in a jazz club because you hear all this clicking mm. and you're like, oh, that's fantastic. But it's just people's <laughs> hips going to get a coffee. <laughs> so your mate, your mate uh, puts the half the joint in the camera bag. Yeah, so my mate and his mate puts half the joint in the camera bag and then thinks nothing of it for three months and then travels all the way to UK um, with this half-smoked old joint, this old smelly joint in the camera yeah. bag and doesn't realise until they are travelling into the centre of London on the tube that they have essentially been an international drug smuggler. <laughs> now, not much, you know, half a, half a smoked joint, but definitely something. And so this person, this friend of mine, immediately panics and is like, oh my God, like I've got to dispose of this illegal I'll dispose thing. it into my lungs. <laughs> <laughs> well this is the thing charlie in that moment of panic my friend um just feels like he needs to get rid of it as quickly as possible like somehow you know the security people from the airport are on the train and they're just waiting for the perfect moment to like do the yeah, bus and they so let you, my friend they let your mate get all the way from australia to the uk it's like just wait 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 <laughs> And so uh, my friend panics and my friend uh, slides it into the, fr the seat in front on the tube <laughs> and disposes of it. <laughs> I can just see your mate and then sweating. That night, my friend was having a lot of trouble sleeping and my friend realised that ironically, the thing that would have been really great was that half a joint. <laughs> uh, well, that's how I felt like... I. I could use I, I I I could use your friends half a joint right now because it's just the last two days have been it's been great like we've been catching up with friends and doing a bit of sightseeing and going around but do you ever remember there's an episode of Cheers were you a big Cheers fan have we talked about this I think you watched Cheers when you're at uni right well when I went to university uh, Channel Nine were playing yeah. Cheers every night at midnight. And I watched every single episode of Cheers in a There's row. There's one episode of Cheers. I can't remember what season it was. But Sam Malone is closing up and he gets uh, locked out of the bar and locked out of his apartment. And so he has to find a place to stay that night. And so become, the running gag becomes all of the supporting characters of Cheers. He goes to their apartments to say, hey, can I stay at your place? And then something hilarious and idiosyncratic to that particular character forces him out of that apartment. And so as the episode goes, like Sam is just more and more tired. He just wants to lie down. And I remember watching that episode and being like, geez, like Ted Danson is really hamming it up here. Like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm just so tired. I just need to lie down. Now <laughs> I understand that Ted Danson was spot on. That was an Emmy award winning performance when you are so tired that like, cause the last two days, 
if I'm stationary for too long, it's like, I'm going to fall asleep. Like we went to dinner with friends and I'm like, the conversation has to keep going because if it pauses or you guys go to the bathroom or go out for have a cigarette and I'm here on my own, I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> Face first into my spaghetti. It's the opposite of that Eminem Gemma song. Gemma is uh, dragging you around London weekend at Charlie's yeah, stuff. exactly. But it's great to be in London, Will, for the, the royal wedding. Uh, something that I'd completely forgotten about. Uh, I am here in the UK for a wedding, but for Gemma's brother's wedding, not for the royal wedding. But when I went through customs, the guy was, uh, uh, through security, the guy was like, so uh, what are you here for? And I said, I'm here for the wedding. And he was like, oh, got an invite, did you? And I was like, yeah, I did actually. I mean, you know, well, I'm his brother-in-law, so <laughs> I would expect to get an invite. <laughs> Seemed to be brother-in-law. And I could see the guy look at me going, so you don't look, you don't sound American. I'm like, oh no, not that wedding, our wedding. I'm in the UK for a wedding this weekend, but not that wedding. Or, but the other thing is also, if you were the brother-in-law of his brother-in-law, that would mean that you're, I guess, Harry's brother-in-law. So I suppose that would just mean that you've married somebody that was related to, to Harry. But I, I was thinking just for a second that maybe you're like Prince Charles's illegitimate yeah. son. And that's why you were, had been called Charlie. Yeah. Like you were Charles Jr. <laughs> um, okay. Is it, do you have royal wedding fever over there? Is it? Uh, um, well, I don't. Is it but- like, can you tell everywhere that... It, that yeah, yeah. Like, it's funny. Uh, they very cool in London. Everyone is very cool. But this is the one thing that there's a lot of pride around. Like, even I just got my hair cut before I jumped on the, on, the, on the call today. And even my hairdresser was like, you know, he was a real kind of tough tattooed kind of guy. But he was very excited about the royal wedding. People seem to fall into two camps. It's either, you know, this is tradition and we're proud of it. Or it's like, we've got real problems in this country. Why are we wasting all this money on this royal wedding? Um, I know uh, Claire Tonti of Planet Broadcasting is a big fan of the Royal Wedding. I saw she posted something today. Um, I haven't been, do you, have you, I mean, you've probably been talking about it on the radio and stuff. I haven't been following it. I don't really know anything about this, this couple, how they met, where they met. Give me the, give me the story. Uh, look, here's the thing. We talked about it a little bit because it's news, obviously, um, you know, but, you know, I work on Triple M. It's not, you know, your, your go-to place for your Royal Wedding news. Um, but uh, we, we've been following with glee uh, the Markle family debacle. The Markle debacle. Okay. Uh, Merck and Markle and her family, who are just absolutely, like, I love them so much. They are just uh, like a cast of, you know, wrestling-style villains. <laughs> like, I love everything about her family. I've become quite obsessed with them. And her clearly... Like, clearly at some stage, some handsome stranger has come through town, had an affair with her mum. She's come out. She's, like, just, she's the, like, the, you know, she is the golden, you know, the golden egg laid by the goose in the barn that is otherwise fill, filled with shit. And she has been trying to get rid of this family for so long. She went to Hollywood. She became a successful actress. And she tried to shake them off then. And they would not get shook off. And now she's trying to become a princess just so that she never has to talk to her family again. If you are willing to join the royal family to have a dysfunctional family that is not as dysfunctional as your own family, then you know the situation you're in. So give me the, the backstory of, of her parents. Are they still together, her mum and dad? I don't think so, no. Like the mum and dad are split up. The mum's going to be at the wedding um, and she's a yoga teacher from LA, I believe. <laughs> and the dad um, has been posing for pictures uh, for the paparazzi. 
So he's been selling his photos to the paparazzi. He got pulled from like uh, walking her down the aisle duties because he spent the last month posing for the paparazzi and selling these shots that were like as if the pap... So one of them, this is the best, one of them was just him uh, in front of a computer looking at images of his daughter and Harry and like it was meant to be a paparazzi shot of him like staring forlornly at pictures of his daughter, but they just arranged it and staged the whole thing. So anyway, he got uh, he got pulled from the wedding at the last minute. So it sounds like this is the premise of every romantic comedy about the ordinary girl who meets the prince and she's got to deal with her King Ralph type family embarrassing her in front of the prince, right? I'm sure this has been like a, been done a hundred times, this story. Well, I I imagine as soon as old mate from Notting Hill and Four Weddings and a Funeral gets his hands on this one, uh, this is you know he would he would make a brilliant romantic comedy about it. So, and what's the buzz like of the monarchists? Are they a kind of appalled by this commoner marrying Harry? Well, Kate Middleton was a commoner, so they've kind of dealt with the commoner thing. But this is like an American. Meghan Markle an, is a divorcee. American commoner. I mean, there's got to be an issue about like getting someone from like what was once a colony, right? Right. Well, A, she uh, has been married before. B, she used to go out with a porn star. C, she's an actress from like a TV show. Hang on, wait a minute. Stop. What's the the second one? She went out with a porn star. I know. I yada, yada, yada that in the middle. Like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. This is how crazy and exciting her backstory is. The fact that she used to go out with a porn star is something that I just use as a second beat of a thing of three. (laughs) (laughs) Who was the porn star? Um, I can't remember what his name was, but he said that... um, Well, it doesn't matter what his name was because more likely than not, that wasn't his real name. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been great if he was actually like a Prince Harry porn impersonator. Like Prince they were Harry. doing like Prince Harry porn parodies, like of his time in Vegas. Uh, Simon Rex, Mike Hallers told us, is the name oh, of the yeah. porn star. Oh, yeah, I know who Although that is. I would have thought he was a... He's a um, he was a rapper as well. He's Dirt Nasty. He's a rapper and a comedian. He was in Scary Movie 3. <laughs> I know who Simon Rex is. I didn't know he was a porn star. Really? Yeah. When when Vine was a big thing, he was like one of the kind of, you know, like, I don't know if they call social media influencer, but when Vine was kind of like the big social media, he was really good. I used to follow him on Vine. He's quite funny. Do you think it's the same Simon Rex? The same one? Oh, God. Sorry. I'm, it's, it's just going in yeah, and out. Yeah, this is hard. Do we keep, do we keep persisting? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's just going in and out a lot. Uh, Let's Keep Persisting was actually the name of one of Simon Rex's portraits. <laughs> it's all right. So that was the second point. What was the third point? She's a divorcee. She used to date a porn star. What was the third thing? Oh, sorry. I was, gonna, I was just going to say about Simon Rex. Yeah. Surely if he was a proper porn star, he would have been Simon Rex, but they would have been spelt like triple X at the end. Yeah, yeah. That's your sort of porn star go. I think Simon Rex is his real name though. That's not his porn star name. Right. Um, so we just need to find the, the, the road he first lived on in the name of his first pet and then we'll have all the details we need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, what's the, and, what, and what's the attitude in Australia been like? Like I remember the Lady Di, Prince Charles, I would have been about five or six years old and that was a big deal. But I feel like Australia has become less infatuated with royal weddings and the monarchy as, as the country has grown. What's it like at the moment? Is it just the Blue Rinse Brigade who are excited about this? No, I think there is a general sort of level of excitement across the board. In fact, I think this one has um, 
a great mass appeal mm. because um, I've just been watching a little bit of the people arriving at the wedding and, you know, Clooney's there and Oprah's there and Idris Elba's there and Tom Hardy's there. Tom Hardy's there. Tom Hardy. I mean, this is... This is not your grandmother's fucking royal wedding. If Tom Hardy's there, if Bane gets invited to the royal... I mean, I can't wait for the moment where they ask if anyone objects and Tom Hardy stands up in his Bane mask. <laughs> some some young royal has just sung a beautiful song and, he, and he's just got... It's a, it's a lovely voice. <laughs> Well, I think, I mean, we're planning to go out and do a bit of shopping and sightseeing today. I've got the feeling that the city will be quite empty. Um, I'm surprised we ran into a friend, completely coincidentally, a friend from Sydney who is over here, who is so excited about the Royal Wedding. He specifically has come over. He doesn't have a ticket or anything like that, but he's going to drive out to Windsor and join the crowd and, and be part of it. He ha it's kind of like a music festival for him. Yeah, he just wants to feel the vibe of yeah. it. It's like going to somewhere where the Olympics are on without having a ticket to the actual any of the events of the Olympics. You just want to soak up the excitement of the city to say, I was in London when the royal wedding happened. Um, I, I was walking down the street tonight in uh, Port Melbourne and um, I was down by, I was doing some laundry. So I had to fill in like 30 minutes in between while my laundry was, was happening. And uh, I walked down to the bay and just walked along the bay. And what happens at night, I've noticed, is that if you walk along um, the strip of the bay, when it becomes dark, you've still got a lot of people in their front of their living rooms, in the apartments that are ground level. So you have that thing where it's dark outside, so you can see perfectly into people's living rooms. Yeah. And so I'm walking along, and I had this moment where there was, on one side, there was this woman, so she's got her TV so imagine there's an adjoining wall between these two apartments. Well, you don't need to imagine. There is. But for you, for what you're imagining, there's an adjoining wall between the apartments. Right. So she's in her apartment and her TV is on the wall. And in the apartment next door, his TV is essentially like the mirror opposite of where her TV is, right? Mm. So they're basically looking you know, at the same wall. If the TVs weren't there, it just looked like they were staring at each other. And she's in her um, apartment and she's sitting there all doled up to watch the royal wedding by herself uh, with her cat no. sitting on her lap. And I thought, well, yeah, right. But then, so I watched that and she's watching the royal wedding and then I walk by and then there's this kind of like lonely, sad, older guy just sitting there alone watching the exact same coverage of the royal wedding. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing, right? You two don't know yeah. that you're doing the exact, you're next door neighbors and you are literally doing the exact same thing and you're both doing it alone, but you're not really doing it alone because a person 10 meters away from you is actually watching the show with you. I'm like I almost wanted to go and knock on their doors and say, "Guys, guys, Jenny, this is Michael. Michael, this is Jenny." That would be the Richard Curtis story. The obvious one would be to do the kind of Harry and Megan story. But the real interesting Richard Curtis romantic comedy would be about the two kind of like obsessed monarchists who live next door to each other who are lonely and don't know about each other. Because you can, that way you can use it as the backdrop. But it's really about two, you know, two people, two normal average people finding love based on you know, their love of the monarchy. Right, yeah, the, the wedding brings them together. This is actually a classic Richard Curtis area. Mm. I mean, I think we should probably be sending this podcast to Richard Curtis <laughs> and say, 
There you go, mate. It's not really our area, but we've given you all the ingredients you need. Make us something. The barber who cut my hair when he was talking about, um, you know, how he, you know, he's quite interested, interested in the royal wedding and started talking about where I'm from and he asked what I did and I said, I'm an actor. And then he's like, oh, you know, have you ever been on Neighbours? I said, yeah, I did Neighbours once upon a time. And he's like, oh, well, you guys had the biggest royal wedding of all. You had uh, uh, Kylie and Jason uh, getting married. <laughs> I mean, it would be great if they got to the wedding tonight and, you know, Clooney's there and Oprah's there and the Queen's there and then Angry Anderson comes out suddenly. and suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> but he's changed the lyrics, Elton yeah. John style, uh, you know, to be about their lives. <laughs> but I would go one step further and I would merge, like, Angry Anderson's two... Pinnacle moments are suddenly on Neighbours and the 1990 AFL Grand Final when he's in the Batmobile. So let's roll the Batmobile into in, into Windsor. Angry Anderson stands up in his leather jacket and sings suddenly. And then goes into Bound for Glory just because, you know, why not? <laughs> or how about this? Um, so uh, Cosmega Markle obviously uh, can't get her dad to walk her down the aisle. Um, how about... She comes down the aisle in the back of the Batmobile that's being driven by Angry Anderson as he sings suddenly. So Angry's driving the Batmobile yeah. like he's got one of those Madonna yeah, yeah. headset mics on. He's singing suddenly and Megan's up the back like being driven down the aisle of Westminster Abbey in the Batmobile by Angry Anderson. And so he sings suddenly and then... At the end, after they're married, he comes back and does Bound for Glory. And Prince Harry, Jack Rewalt style from the, AB, uh, from the AFL, gets up sings and sings with it with him. That would be amazing. I mean, because Harry has that reputation, right, as being like he's everyone's favourite royal. And it's all based on the fact that he went out and took some pills once upon a time, right? That's why we like him. Well, I mean, I don't know if there's any evidence that that happened, but yes, that he's a party boy. Yeah. You know, Australia, I think there's a great, like, particularly in Australia, I think we have an affinity and affection for Harry because I think Australia is the Harry. Like, as Harry is to the royal family, Australia is to Great mm. Britain. We are the one who, you know, is not in line for the throne. We're the one who got to go and play new billiards in, ba in Vegas. Yeah, totally. But also, chances are he's probably like uh, probably illegitimate, right? Like, isn't that the kind of rumor that he's probably not Prince Charles' son? Well, that's the rumor, but I mean, I guess it's a it's it's a pretty apparently he gets the red hair from the Spencer right. side, so it's not from that dude. And that that Lady Di was mates with. What was his name? James something or another? James Hewitt. Yeah. Like, and look, he does look a bit like him. But I feel like it's a really unfair thing to say. <laughs> but I also know from personal experience, because my brother and sister both have red hair and like neither my mum or dad have red hair. Um, uh, you know, it can be a, a throwback red hair. So, so your sense. brother and sister are illegitimate is what you're saying. <laughs> you're the only legitimate one. Well, In fact, my you're, the, you're also the illegitimate one. one. Which was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you putting all the blame on redheads suddenly being illegitimate? You're the one that's inconsistent with the rest. I mean, that's a fair point that you make, Charlie. I mean, it's much more likely that there was, you know, that I'm the one that was the illegitimate one. Will legitimate. Well, legitimate. There you go. In fact, in fact, that 
that, that would be a great thing for me to find out before next year's comedy <laughs> festival, to be honest, because after the arrest, I'm looking for a new compelling idea. <laughs> Will legitimate. I find out. I mean, it would explain a lot. My brother's gone back on the farm. You know, I'm nothing like, you know, my parents. Like it would, it, it, I mean, it would actually be almost too obvious. Mm. Like if my big reveal was that it turns out that I'm not my parents' child, everyone would just go, yeah, that. And when I say not my parents, I assume I'm still my mum's child. No, no, no. But, I think it, I think it's more that Harry Potter kind of thing. I think that maybe your parents, maybe they were out working the farm one day and they just found you in a field as a baby. Oh, Clark Kent. There you go. I'll give you I'll give you a, a, another superhero analogy. Clark Kent style. They found you in a field, naked, in a smashed spaceship, and they're like, "Let's take this kid home and raise him as our own." <laughs> they were hoping for well, they were hoping for Superman. <laughs> they got a dude whose hips don't work. It's like holy shit. Can we, is it too late to take him back to the field and put him back in that spaceship and send him back? <laughs> um, maybe it's the opposite of Superman, though, because like the, the whole theory behind Superman, of course, is that he has superpowers on our planet because our sun gives him those superpowers. Mm. But what if, for me, it was the opposite to that? What if on my planet my hips work yeah. fine? But I came to Earth, and because of the weaker power of the Earth sun compared to my planet, my hips are fucked. I'd love it. It's not my fault. On your home planet, everyone's just strutting around, power walking, doing squats, power lifting, deadlifts. It's just, in fact, your race are known for their particularly powerful hips. Like, you don't want to get fucked by anyone from your planet because their hip thrusts are supersonic. <laughs> Um, or maybe, you know, on, on my planet, my sense of humor was just ordinary, <laughs> but the power of the human sun. Your home planet is just a planet of accountants. But you come to Earth and our sun just gives you the giggles. I love that. Um, there's a... There's an, an element of excitement, I think, around Australia. And I think that tonight, um, as I was like kind of looking around at, you know, what my friends and family are doing, there's a, a real kind of split between people who are watching the footy and ignoring the royal wedding mm -hmm. and people who are 100% all in having wedding parties, have, they have face masks. I saw people drinking gin and tonics there. They're eat, yeah, they're eating all like British foods. They're making scones, yeah. and you know they've they've gone whole hog all yeah. in. They're doing that here. Like I've been invited to a couple of uh, wedding royal wedding viewing parties, I guess. Um, and uh, even there's like a couple of pubs, like probably what's going on in Australia, which are showing sport on one screen <laughs> and the royal wedding on the other. I mean, I do look. I think what I love about the British um, is the sense of humour and that self-deprecating wit and stuff. But there is something about seeing them take real pride, like when the cricket team's doing well or whatever. There is nothing quite like that swell of British pride. Probably like that swell of British pride that triggered Brexit. <laughs> you know, not often, often not the best. Often not the best decisions are made. But there really is something about like you can just see their chest puff out a bit, and it's like that's right. We used to rule this planet not so long ago. I mean, it. That's the thing that I always think about the British, though. It wasn't that long ago. And I think about this a lot with what's going on in America at the moment. It's like we kind of just expected that America was going to be the sort of, you know, culturally and like military, like power in the world, yeah, economic power in the world kind of forever. Mm. But the truth is we've got recent history to look at. Like the British 
ran the world until like Second you know war. the end of Second World yeah. War, basically. I know. So what happens though, like when China or like a non-Western country becomes a dominant power? Do you think that has like a like for instance in Hollywood at the moment? Like China is pouring heaps and heaps of money into films. Like that is the best way to get your film financed right now is to gear it towards a Chinese market. That's why they people go like, well, why do they keep making these like Transformer movies or these uh, Pacific Rim type films? Like because they play hugely to a global non-English speaking audience. Like if it's thirty percent dialogue and seventy percent explosions and action, that kind of stuff. When there's a billion people in your country, you're going to make a shit ton of money. Have you noticed that when you're watching like a Fast and the Furious or whatever? And there's a character who's like a Chinese pop star. They have like three or four scenes. You're like, that's odd. That person is both indispensable yet entirely necessary for this film. I wonder why that is. It's because they need to sell that film to that market. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make a version of Gruen and just sell it to China. It's just going to be a Chinese version of Gruen. And it's just going to be basically us playing advertisements and then me saying, all capitalism is bad. Uh, please embrace the Communist Party who run this country. I don't think you have to sell it to them. I'm pretty sure they would be working on their own version. It's like when, you remember when those Apple stores were just popping up all over China, which were like, looked exactly like an Apple store, but it was completely unsanctioned. Oh, okay, right. So it's spelled, yeah, it's just spelled yeah. differently. It's like spelled Gruen, like G I. O-O-N or something. Well, I, I remember hearing a story from the Working Dog guys when, um, thank God you're here, when they were franchising that and selling the concept all around the world. And apparently someone came up to Tommy Gleisner and was like, oh, they're doing a version of Thank God You're Here in Russia. And Tom's like, well, we didn't sell you know, the license to Russia. We should follow that up. And the guy's like, oh, no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> just, just let them make their version. <laughs> Yeah, there's some places where you're just like, oh, well, good luck yeah. to you. <laughs> Enjoy that. Yeah. yeah, I think when you work, walk into Putin's office to complain about the fact that one of his people has ripped off your TV idea, he's not going to say, thank God yeah, you're here. No. When you go into Putin's office to complain about being ripped off, and he's like, yeah, fine, you know what? Why don't we just have a, let's have a little drink before we get started. Yeah, take a drink of this. <laughs> okay, I will. I'm very angry right now, but all right. <laughs> yeah no that's a really valid complaint and i'm i'll be sure to pass that on uh could i just get you to take one step to your <laughs> yeah. left yeah that's a that's a really valid complaint i'm sorry about that just um so what hotel are you staying at what just give me the room number <laughs> <laughs> the windows open and shut yeah no I, I this is absolutely valid and i'll be following this up straight away uh did you tell any friends or family you were coming here <laughs> Now, we uh, have struggled through this episode with a, a terrible internet connection. So why don't we get to some yes. letters, just in case uh, this whole thing goes to shit. We can, we can get a, a few letters out of the way. Um, you know what? I don't think people will mind, Charlie, if we just do a really short episode this week because the internet has been pretty terrible. I mean, obviously, there's probably a lot of people streaming you know, online today in the UK reporting about the royal wedding. It might be a tough day to get some good internet connection. So if this is a short episode, it's a short episode. Um, but uh, yes, get to let's some get letters. some letters. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, as always, if you'd like to send Will and I a letter to get some uh, to, to 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 have us. Uh, oh, sorry, I can't speak. Jet lags kicking in again. <laughs> if you would like Will and I to address anything <laughs> in the show, or you just want to get, you just want to send us a, a nice message, you can send your correspondence to email tofop at gmail dot com and put hey tofop in the subject heading line. Nothing to add, Will. 
Correct. Or just go to the website. There's okay. a link. Oh, that's right. There's a, yeah, there's a link now. Okay. This is from Joe Rowley. Hey, guys. Big fan here. Thanks for the years of quality in brackets, question mark. Like, that's a backhanded compliment if I've, I've ever seen one. Thank you for the years of quality content and congratulations on somehow making it to 200 episodes. Again, slightly passive-aggressive opening to this letter. I recently learned something. No, that's fair enough, though. I've got to be honest with you, Charlie, because it took us eight years to eke out 200 episodes. Never has anything continued for so long at such a slow, pathetic yeah. pace. I did like nearly 300 episodes of Fofop in like six months. Well, we are like when you've got a grandparent who's given like, you know, six weeks to live, but somehow they make it like another five years. And you're like, part of you is like, well, that's amazing. But also part of you is like, yeah, come on, grandpa, <laughs> let's move it on. Uh, or we're like a, a TV show that got, got cancelled you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine mm. style, and then, you know, managed to get picked up by another network and now is never going to fucking stop. <laughs> yeah. We are the Smallville of podcasting. <laughs> exactly. We're the Pixies. We thought You thought we were just reforming for a short time, but it turns out we are going to keep going and going and going regardless of the quality of our output. Joe continues. I recently learned something with regards to dicks that I thought you might find interesting. <laughs> Given your borderline obsessive compulsion to think about, talk about, and in Charlie's case, talk to penises constantly. So the penis has two states, erect or flaccid. Now, how did you pronounce the word flaccid in your head or hopefully allowed on the podcast? Because my pronunciation has always rhymed it with acid. Would you be the same, Will? Yeah, flaccid. Yep. Turns out the correct pronunciation is flaccid. Now, I don't know about you, but I have never heard anyone say this. So I looked it up in the dictionary, and surely enough, the correct pronunciation, uh, that is the correct pronunciation of all being getting it wrong like absolute fools, which led me to think about how many other words I use that might be unknowingly pronouncing wrong, and it kind of gave me a mini existential crisis. Also, I would advise against correcting anyone when they mispronounce the word flaccid, as I did it last week, and ended up somewhat ironically sounding like a huge dick. Anyway, keep up the great work. Again, he put a question mark in brackets. <laughs> and here's to another 200 episodes. Okay, so I heard most of that, uh, but here's what right. I missed. The bit where you told me what the correct pronunciation of flaccid was. <laughs> flaxid. Flaxid. Yeah, like a, like a New Zealander saying flaxseed. Flaxid. Flaxid. F-L-A-K-S-I-D is the pronunciation. Flaxid. My penis doesn't work. It is flaxid. Well, I think part of the problem with that is that often when your penis is flaxid, <laughs> it's when you've had a few drinks yeah. and it's very hard to say flaxid uh, when, you, when you're drunk. So it's obviously just flaxid. Yeah, just slurring. It just helps you when you're slurring. <laughs> Next letter from Jesse Woodland. Hi, Will and Charlie. Just wondering what your thoughts are on Childish Gambino's new music video for This Is America. Would be good to hear your views on the podcast, especially with you both being in the entertainment industry and spending a lot of time in the States. Also wondering how it is being reacted to by American citizens. Cheers, guys. Love the podcast from Jesse. Now, you're a big Daniel, uh, Daniel Donald Glover fan. What do you think of This Is America? Okay, so uh, here's a couple of things that are interesting about this. So um, Justin and I have a running joke, I think, that I've talked about on the yeah. podcast previously, which is that uh, when will anyone ever give Donald Glover a break? And it's become the most fun game in the world because it started as a little thing where, because we've loved him forever, 
And then, you know, obviously, as people got to know how cool he was, there'd be these articles. And he, every single article about Donald Glover is always about how people should know about Donald Glover. And we became obsessed with this because we were under the impression that people did indeed know about Donald Glover and were aware how talented he was uh, because he kept doing a series of things that showed how talented <laughs> he was. Well, since then, the rate of him doing things that he's talented at has increased exponentially. It seems you can't go a week without Donald Glover doing... Like, he'll release a video clip that revolutionizes music and video clips. And then a week later, he's in a Star Wars movie. And then a week later, they're like, hey, he should have his own Star Wars movie. And then a week later, he's like hosting Saturday Night Live, but also being the band in his alter ego who appears on Saturday Night Live. That's like Bruce Wayne hosting Saturday Night Live and Batman does a fucking number. And then, you know, and so it's literally got to the point now where, like, you can't go anywhere without seeing Donald Glover. Uh, Here's what I will say about that. I approve of it. There's something about what he is and what he does that I just find remarkable because I... Love the idea of him more than I actually enjoy most of the things that he does. I like the idea of Childish Gambino much more than I would ever actually put on a Childish Gambino album to listen to. I like the idea of him being in the, you know, Han Solo movie as Lando, but I'm not going to go and see that movie. Yeah. Uh, I've not watched his monologue on Saturday Night Live. I am in favor of the idea of Donald Glover without actually caring so much personally about Donald Glover. I'd agree. I think the, the remarkable thing about Donald Glover, and this is what I feel is a difference between like, in terms of the entertainment industry between Australia and America, is Donald Glover is a multi-hyphenate. Writer, actor, director, musician, and everyone seems to accept each of those phases of his career with equal enthusiasm. I mean, granted, he's very good at it, but like in Australia, we're very much about stay in your fucking lane. <laughs> you know, you're a comedian, you're a presenter, you're a musician, you're an actor. Don't start drifting to the other lanes. The only people we allowed to do that is Kylie Minogue, all right? Kylie gets to do that, but the rest of you stay in your fucking lane. I mean, it is interesting, isn't it? Like, who's the equivalent? So who's the Australian, you know, Donald Glover in that, you know, say he was someone who like really started out as a sort of comedic actor, all right? right? I got one for you. Matt O'Kine, actor in The Other Guy, stand-up comedian, rapper. Briggs. Briggs. Multi-hyphenate. Writer. Well, not comedian, comedic performer, rapper, actor. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's funny that the two people we named are both black as well when that wasn't actually what we were going for. <laughs> Uh, maybe if you're black, you just have to be better at more things <laughs> yeah, to get ahead. So. Maybe it's just a sign of systematic. It's fine for a white guy just to be good at one thing. But if you're black, you have to be like super talented at like eight things just to get a fucking Mate, here's a thing. To, when you're a white guy, you don't even have to be good at that one thing. Like, you'll be all right. You can be bad at that one thing. You'll still get all, You'll still have a career. You'll be fine. Look at me. Yeah. If you're white, you can be fine at one thing yeah. and you'll be great. If you're black, you have to nail nine <laughs> different things. That's the thing. There's whole aspects of Matt O'Kine and Briggs we don't even know about. Turns out Briggs is a qualified boilermaker. <laughs> no. Our next letter is from Yee Yeah. 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 
I'm so sorry about that. Hey, Will and Charlie, listening since 2012, first time caller. Anyway, recently you guys seem to always start the pod by talking about food. So I want to share with you my own take on the best recipes for two and of your and my favorite foods, which you've discussed in the pod. Number one, halloumi, discussed on the Cypress halloumi and other episodes. Grill it in a pan with a bit of olive oil, then serve on bread like uh, toasted ciabatta. Is that how you pronounce it, ciabatta? Do you pronounce it ciabatta, ciabatta, ciabatta? Uh, no, it's actually pronounced flaxen. <laughs> with pomegranate molasses and lettuce, uh, lettuce or rocket. The pomegranate molasses has just the subtle sweetness and sharpness to perfectly bring out the creamy flavor of the halloumi. I like it. I'm a honey man, but I'm going to try the molasses. His second recipe is avocado on toast. It might have been discussed on Fofup. Caramelized onions. Take some time, but it's worth it. Avocado slices with a little bit of feta or goat's cheese. Put these bad boys on good buttered bread and a lot of sour... God. Put these bad boys on good buttered bread like sourdough and yum. Now that I've taught you Muppets how to properly cook your favorite foods, there's a hypothetical. Uh, Here's a hypothetical, which is similar to one of yours. If you had the chance to be the secret sex slave for the world's worst man, name redacted due to fear of the NSA, for a month, and in return you save the world from him, would you do it? No one would, uh, no, no one would know that you were his sex slave or that you eventually got rid of him. And go. Thanks for all the entertainment over the years. Okay, firstly, I, I don't agree about the adding things to avocado. Butter and avocado. I've tried avocado with a whole bunch of other things, and I love goat's cheese individually. But if I've got some avocado and I've got some goat's cheese or I've got some feta, then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a toast, a bit of toast with some butter and some feta or goat's cheese, and I'm going to have a bit of toast with some butter and some avocado. And I'm going to enjoy them separately and enjoy the separate flavors. You don't add anything from combined. Really? I disagree with that. I think they are perfect. The sharpness of the goat's cheese goes perfectly with the more muted, t- creamy taste of the avocado. Yeah, I know that's what people think, but people are wrong. <laughs> Uh, they're both fine by themselves. Don't fucking mix around with it. You, you, if you eat them separately, they're both amazing. If you combine them, you don't get double the awesomeness. No, yes. Well, you don't get double anyway. the awesomeness, but you get the best of both worlds. No, no, I don't think you do. I think the best of both worlds is them in their natural state. All right, so the second half of his question, would you become the worst man in the world <laughs> sex slave for a month if it meant that you could stop him and save the world? Now, this is kind of similar to the kind of Kathy, yeah, Kathy of debates. Yeah, I, no problem at all. Like, if it meant that we could fix all the shit that's going on right now, I mean, specifically, as you said, that no one would have to know about it or the fact that we got rid of him at the end. Yeah, I could take that. No, I'm the opposite. The, the only thing that I would demand is everyone <laughs> knew about it. Because if I'm going to do something terrible in order to heal the entire fucking world, I might as well get some credit for it. The last thing I want is to be the sex slave of the most horrible person in the world for a month to fix the world. And then the world gets fixed and everyone's like, oh, the world just got yeah. fixed. I guess that was nobody's responsibility. Hey, it was yeah. me. I went through something horrible for a no, month. You go through it, you save the world and everyone's like, the world's saved. I wonder who did that. Ah, oh, it's probably Donald Glover. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, you're here. He followed up with a PS. Charlie, I wrote my name in big font to help you not to butcher it. But if you do, Grandpa, it's okay. <laughs> I'm used to it. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Let me off the hook. Our next email is from Connor Hart. Hey, guys. I own a copy of Will's Woolluminati DVD. How's that? He owns it, Will. He didn't download it. He didn't torrent it. He actually bought it. Hats off to you, Connor. 
I appreciate that. I own a copy of Will's Illuminati DVD, and I was watching it recently, and there's a bit on it where he expresses his love for Matt Damon, and I was wondering if there's been any changes to that relationship. Love the podcast, guys. Congratulations on the 200. Oh, look, yes. I mean, firstly, I, I don't want to disappoint you, Connor, but I say a lot of things, and often, you know, I look, to be honest, I say things because I think they'll be funny a lot of the time. <laughs> And sometimes it's better to say that you love someone if you're going to tell some story about something. But look, it's it's hard for me to, you know, really love anyone that much. <laughs> oh my God. So people disappoint you, Cutter. <laughs> I mean, hang on, has something happened recently with Matt Damon to make you not love him? I know he sort of came out and put his foot in it with the whole Me Too thing, but did, has he done something else? Yeah, well, just that general sort of like not quite getting it vibe that Matt Damon seems to be rocking a little bit of late. You know, the idea of going, hey, I'm a white guy. I'm good at one thing. Well, yeah, mate, you've just got to expand your mind a little. Watch some Donald Glover. I'm glad he's finally getting a break. He's in everything. Oh, he's here with you. Um, yeah, I like, I, I like to think the best... I like to think of the best of Matt Damon. I like to think that this has just been a little blip. It's been an aberration. Mm. Um, there's been a bit of talk about Matt Damon moving to Australia. Did you see yeah, that? Yeah, well... Uh, um, apparently him and Chris Hemsworth are being Best set. mates. I, I, I know that he was at Blues Fest in Byron Bay. I had a few friends who were up at Blues Fest. And uh, Matt Damon was hanging out there with, uh, with Chris Hemsworth and his family. And uh, apparently he was renting a place up there for ages and he was even looking into Australian real estate. And I kind of like the idea of Matt Damon, you know, moving to Australia. Um, there used to be this thing, you know, like sort of Don Lane style. Like, you know, there used to be like Leo Sayer. You know, remember mm -hmm. Leo Sayer moved out to Australia? I love nothing more than when like a former, you know, massive celebrity from another country sort of comes to your country and like settles mm. in. You know, there was a time where you couldn't like, you know, walk down an Australian street without seeing one of the Madden brothers or, you know, Scary Spice. And, you know, they were good times, Charlie, and I miss them. So I'd love to see Matt Damon move to Australia. I mean, having been spending a lot of time overseas lately in the UK, in the US predominantly, I've encouraged a lot of people to come to Australia, <laughs> like particularly with the issues that are going on in those respective countries. Like, I'm like, you should come. Like, you'll be amazed. Well, low violence, low crime. Uh, we have health care. We've got a lot of land. We've got the most beautiful beaches. I mean, that's the one thing that cracks me up. The amount of times I've been overseas where someone will take me to their beach, like a Malibu or something, and they're like, check out this beach. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm Australian. Like, there's like five of these within walking distance from where I live. The Amalfi Coast, get out of here. That's not a beach. That's a beach. I mean, I remember going to bloody Lakes Entrance when I was a kid, you know, growing up in Denison and the 90 mile beach in Victoria. And it's one of the best beaches in the world. But there's like the equivalent of that just ringing around yeah. Australia. Like the whole country is essentially awesome beaches around it. It's a really nice job. I've come back here, Charlie, and I've been back here a while. And I must admit that my, my inclination to go back overseas is... Uh, dimming uh, and diminishing very quickly because it's fucking nice yeah. here. Australia's like, I mean, there's a lot of things that are going really badly with Australia yeah. as well. But in a general world yeah. sense, fuck, it's a good yeah. place to live. Yeah. As long as you don't want to start a bank account for your kid or anything like that, or deal with the banks in general, Australia's a pretty good place to live. Yeah, but if you're going around the world looking for a place where the banks are going to treat the people well, then you're going to find out it's, it's going to be tough to find a place where that's going to be the case. Well, Jim and I were talking about it because we're doing a bit of a travel, uh, traveling around at the moment. And when we we're sort of deciding places to visit, anywhere that was sort of like a beachy destination or a seaside destination, we're like, why bother? 
Like, we're, we've got that in spades. Like, where we live is, like, probably the best, you know, waterside destination in the world. So let's look at other things. We'll find other things. But you're not going to impress me with your bloody Malibu, mate. Your Malibu? Are you kidding me? Well, the only thing I would say is um, when we went to Spain last year um, and we went to Mallorca, uh, all the beaches around there are stunning. And the thing that makes them superior to some of the Australian beaches, I will say, is uh, their reckless disregard for safety and laws. Uh, down on the beaches, they will just have these bars, these pop-up bars on the beaches where they'll serve you like tequila shots and stuff. And then there'll be these massive like rocks jutting out and they'll go, hey, you should go up and jump off those rocks now that you've had nine tequila shots. And that's encouraged. In Australia, that would never happen. And that is something that I do miss. The reckless wanton disregard for safety that overseas seems to have. Our next letter is from Samuel Chappell. Hi, Will and Charlie. Slightly obscure question, but this one has been playing on my mind for seven years now. In episode 38, Will went on a wonderfully strident rant about Ben Elton. Oh my God, is this like, this is dating this show. <laughs> I remember that. We were in LA at my old apartment yeah. and uh, we were at that first apartment. It was, remember when we were eating the, the that trail mix trail that mix. was basically M&Ms and peanuts. Yeah, and when uh, you drinking out of the vase... <laughs> Uh, Justin drinking at the bars. That was some classic times. I remember it distinctly. And I remember getting really angry about Ben Elton never having listened to Radiohead's OK Computer. Exactly. So that's what he brings up. Uh, this statement incurred Will's comedic wrath. He was of the extremely firm belief that Elton, as a societally commentating comic, had a responsibility to engage with building the building blocks of pop culture and society like Radiohead in order to maintain his professional integrity. This has played in my mind very infrequently ever since. I was wondering how this view squares with, Will, with Will's public confessions that he has never read Harry Potter books or even seen the films. Uh, well, here's what I can tell you. There's Harry Potter and there's Ron Weasley and there's Hermione and there's like Gandalf and, um, you know, Harry's a wizard and his parents died and he lived under the stairs. Like, I've got yeah. the gist, guys. I know what's going on with Harry Potter. If if Ben Elton's able to go, there's a song called Paranoid Android and there's like, you know, there's Karma Police and that was kind of like a big hit, but the song that I, like if he, if if Ben knows a bit about OK Computer, I would I would probably I'd take right. that, right? If he could give me the vibe and the gist of OK Computer, I'd be fine with that. But I got the feeling that he had, had hadn't even gone that deeply. Yeah, I think the sense was he was being willfully ignorant. There's another title for next year's yes. show. <laughs> like it was 2021 <laughs> he was taking he was taking pride in the fact that he had not heard of radiohead and he would not listen to radiohead you're not saying that you would never watch a harry potter or, or you know you know enough about it potentially if you're on a plane i imagine you could watch like you know 20 minutes of it and you'd still kind of get the idea owls riding brooms quidditch you know look i've seen one harry potter film i've read one harry potter book i get it as well Right, yeah. I mean, I think that I get most of it. There's like Voldemort and like Harry's got a lightning thing on his. And that, yeah, there's Quidditch, which is a game where they fly. And there's some sort of hat that sorts them into houses. And there's like one house that is all like full of evil people. It might be called Slytherin, oh, yeah. maybe. And there's things called like, and this is, Hufflepuff is a thing. <laughs> and Muggles are ordinary people. And there's like a train station. Like, I've got the gist. That's Harry Potter. <laughs> 
He finishes with uh, 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 just a gear change. Just a thought, by the way. I really appreciate the recent chat about social juxtaposition, particularly when it comes to income inequality. Jeff Bezos can afford to end American homelessness and remain one of the richest people in the world. How can this be justified when his American warehouse employees working full-time still rely on food stamps to survive? Maybe Bezos, like Ben Elton, needs to remove his non-movement sunglasses and take a good hard look in the mirror. Oh, I like that. That's really nice. All right, last letter from Charlotte Spencer. Hey guys, just having a bit of a binge of the latest episode. I chuckled a lot at the idea of sentient toilets in Japan being the way the machines take over. Thought you might like to know that Will's comment about noticing people disappearing in Japan uh, actually being a sign of the robot uprise could actually be supported with stats. There's a, actually a shrinking problem over there right now. In reality, caused by an aging population, uh, much like what's starting to be noticeable in Australia too. But you guys may have stumbled onto an alternate theory behind the crisis. Perhaps this sci-fi tale could be fleshed out. So I just picked up some stats on this. Since Japan's population began its decline in 2010, the country's population has shrunk by 1.3 million people. By 2065, the UN expects Japan's population to fall by an additional 28 million people, corresponding to a 22% drop. Wow. I mean, is there a chance that we have... I mean, imagine if Mad Professor style, after all these years of nonsense, we've actually stumbled onto one. If you, if you float enough theories, if you float enough weird conspiracy theories about robots taking over the world, just by chance, eventually one of them's going to be right and we uncover it. I love yeah. it. I love the idea that the Japanese sewerage system is just filled with all the dead bodies of the population that's being reduced. The government is just covering it up. Along with like goldfish, you're finding tons and tons of Japanese citizens getting flushed into the sewerage. Well, maybe the thing is the government can't explain it either. And, you know, they're having these meetings and they're like, well, we don't know what's happening, but there's just these people are just disappearing. I mean, I guess it's like the leftovers. They don't know if they've been taken by some sort of divine force or if it's been like the Book of Revelations yeah. or if people are being murdered or whatever. And they investigate, but there's no evidence because the, to the robot toilets are being so – they're clever, mm. right? They wait until – they know that you'll come to them. The robot toilets don't have to go out in the streets and hunt people to kill. They know that eventually, yeah, nature will call yeah. and then they can just silently kill people. Yeah. And if they dispose of all evidence, it's not like somebody's going down in the sewer to go through all the like the refuse and stuff to like, you know, if I, it's it's the perfect place to hide a body. Yeah. Like, is it like we're onto something, clearly. All right, let's wrap it up. This internet connection's getting worse. Yeah. Um, so uh, if you want to support... Uh, I, I, look, if, if this feels like a weird episode, this might be the first episode of this podcast I ever listened back to because I've only heard about half of what you said for the entire episode. Yeah, same. <laughs> I've been very good at picking up the last four words of each of your sentences and just picking up the thread. But it may be like a weird art house, European art house episode where it's like, were Will and Charlie having two separate conversations the whole episode? Yes, is the answer. <laughs> yes, we were. It would be great because I can imagine that as well because it was the exact same thing to describe it for the people at home. Basically, because Mike Hell will, um, and poor old Mike Hell, who's like, it, it was three o'clock in the morning his time when we started doing this podcast because of all the time differences. This one, he's going to have to work hard to make sound like a normal podcast because of the terrible internet connection. But also, both of us decided at some point that we wouldn't bother stopping and saying, I didn't hear you. We both decided, we go, let's just roll on. pretend we heard everything and roll on with it. So there's probably been several times during this podcast where we've thought 
we've said one thing and just continued that sentence and it had nothing to do with what the other person was talking about. Well, that's a, that brings us to the next point. If you want to support the show so we can pay Mike Howell for all the <laughs> overtime he's going to be doing on this episode, you can go to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash tofop. So basically it's a crowdfunding site, essentially a monthly crowdfunding where you donate any amount and it just helps us pay for Mike Howell, pay for other producers, pay for the artwork for the show. Just keep the show running. Um, are you on tour at the moment? Uh, yeah, Canberra. Uh, Canberra, June the 2nd with Justin Hamilton. Oh, yeah. special show in Canberra, by the way, if there's any Canberra listeners, uh, because uh, the policemen who arrested me in Wagga Wagga are coming to see the show in Canberra. So uh, if you are sitting next to six men with sensible haircuts uh, who seem particularly interested in the bit about the policeman, <laughs> you may be sitting next to the actual policeman that I'm talking about on stage. And the weird thing is that I've been talking about on stage, there's a bit in the show about the fact that they're coming to see me in Canberra um, because I've known about that for ages. But now I'm going to be doing the bit about them coming to see me in Canberra while they're in the audience in Canberra seeing me do the bit about them arresting. Anyway, it's probably going to be a really weird and interesting show to be at. So I would highly recommend uh, coming to the Canberra show. And I only got about half of what you just said. I assume it was funny. So let's wrap it up. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Fucking hell. That's what this episode should be called. I only heard half of what you said, but I assume it was funny. Oh. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. It's not optional. You have to do it. (laughs) We used to go easy on it, but now you have to. Yeah. Yeah.